0: Listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli.
1: Hello, master daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The
2: struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen.
1: But we are your resident best friends, here to help you along your relationship journey, especially during all of this coronavirus pandemic mess, because relationships are like the most important they've ever been because we all need to stay connected.
2: We're all in this together, you guys, so think of us as your very own little fun fairies flying around, sprinkling joy and love dust all over the place, because like Jen said, we all need it a little extra right now, and it takes a village And we are your community.
1: And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend because they probably need a little bit of love dust too. They do. And they also need all
2: the fun fab offers that we're going to bring you when you share and spread the love and spread our podcast because it just helps us, like we said, bring you fabulous offers. It keeps the lights on. And it keeps the show running and we can contribute to the village that you're contributing to. And it's all paying it forward. Like we said, we're all on this together.
1: We're terrified of getting COVID because of the various different accounts of what it's like. And we wonder if it's got a similar stigma to STDs. So we've got the hosts of Shooters Gotta Shoot podcast, Erica Spera and Molly Demelier, in to discuss breaking the stigmas around COVID-19 and what it was like firsthand from Molly who had it how it compares to STDs, how to approach a disease with a significant other and let them know you've got it, and tips for avoiding cabin fever during a pandemic.
2: Yeah, you guys, we are pumped to get their firsthand account of all of this because it's always nice to get some insider knowledge. So, um, and speaking of insider knowledge coming from Erica and Molly, they were both NCAA athletes and they've always taken shots on and off the court. They know how to get what they want Well, except when it comes to Ben. So they say. Recently, dating has become harder to navigate with Erica getting diagnosed with herpes and Molly's sister slash best friend excommunicating herself from the family. And obviously, due to the pandemic, it's thrown a whole new set of complications into the mix.
1: Yeah, yikes. It is complicated now more than ever, as we all say. So... Instead of giving up on love, though, they've made a pact to challenge each other to test modern and old school dating methods. I mean, you have to really get modern in this time, right? Yes. They'll, stay, they'll stay in the game and laugh at the rejections they take along the way through their podcast, Shooters Gotta Shoot, and, of course, on our show today.
2: That's right. Yeah. Um... You guys, we are all in stress mode here. I think it helps to talk to people who are in it. Um, Erica and Molly are, and, you know, just bouncing ideas off of each other and like getting some of the stress out because while it is nice to be like home, it's not grass to go to war here, we're home and there's nice things about it. You know, you're getting to organize, you're getting to do things for yourself, all that's great. It also, everyone has their own set of complications. Like I am very close to having a baby. It is less than a month away. I am a little stressed out about the lack of planning that I've been able to um, do because it seems like every time I make a plan, things change with the hospitals and what you can do. and I'm super itchy right now, like which is kind of a normal thing and I'm like not sleeping and I'm just like, I'm literally scratching as we speak. I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, want the baby to stay in because it's not his due date yet which is like in the beginning of May but I also kind of like I'm like oh I'm getting uncomfortable I think this is all very normal and like I think there's you know I am not the only pregnant woman right now in this situation so like it does help to find people who you can like vent with bounce ideas off of like we say it takes a village like we're your community if there's something that's specifically bothering you whether it's like being single or maybe you're quarantined with someone you are in a relationship with but it's making you see some things you don't want to like see about that person you're questioning things like try to you know all right now it's all about communication so find somebody you can communicate with about something specific that might be freaking you out bothering you stressing you out and just like chat it out because you know there's plenty of people who I'm sure can relate to whatever specific thing you're dealing with right now and I know people can relate to me so you just gotta like be there for each other and realize like you know they're good and bad comes with everything and just trying to get through it all together but we're super excited to talk to Erica and Molly because they have like actual advice about coronavirus which is like kind of hard to get like how many of you know people who have actually had it it's like not that many you hear about people who have had it but like it's going to be nice to hear someone say i got it and this is what i did
1: absolutely i mean again because we've got so much anxiety surrounding about like what it could be and how it feels and what do you do and all of the things so like we're they're definitely going to give us a lot of help in that area that will hopefully calm us but also give us some pointers as to like you know how to best take care of ourselves and also like what do you do after how do you talk about all these things I so know. i mean like dating is hard enough so then what do you say like oh hey i also had coronavirus or i might have it currently like are you tainted i don't know but that is one thing, thankfully, right now, I don't have to worry about. I've been obviously very worried, though, about moving my dating life forward. So I participated in the Lists virtual happy hour, which was really fun and interesting. And I'm just trying to like put myself out there. I've adjusted my dating filters on the apps um, to actually be more specific because I feel like right now I need to be specific with everything I want in my life and manifesting. And also I think because there's so many people on these apps right now, it's like they're inundated with people that are home and swiping. I feel like I need to narrow the pool down just a bit. Otherwise it's super overwhelming. So on all of my apps, I like change the filters and I'm actually matching with a bunch of people right now, which is fun because people are actually talking more, which is Different than it was before the pandemic. I think people are putting more of an effort in. They're like being extra chatty, asking good questions, and have a little bit more sense of urgency. Maybe because now they're like so bored and they're like, I don't know when this is going to end. I need like a quarantine buddy virtually. Or they're like, damn, when I get out of all this, I need someone to date immediately because I have not had contact with humans. Or if this were to happen again, I need a human in there uh, with me. So I don't know, but something is different right now on the apps and I'm happy to see it. Uh, More phone calls obviously are happening because that's all you can do. So my recommendation to everybody is have fun with it because this is all you can do. And if you don't want to put your dating life on hold because of this pandemic and truly we don't know when we're going to be allowed out again, you know, really just try and enjoy the process. So if it's adding like super fun questions into the mix, or playing a game, or, um, you know, drinking the same drink, or both ordering in dinner from the same place, so you feel like you're on a dinner date, like there's just ways to switch it up. And maybe we'll add some notes to the show notes for this episode. But there's ways to do it where you can have fun with dating right now and not be, I guess, you know, plagued by the whole process during an actual plague.
2: Yes, I agree. Great advice. Thank you. Taking shots in the dating world just got a little more complicated because of the Rona. Thank God we have these ladies in to help us shoot the shit. Welcome to the show, Erica and Molly.
1: <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having us. Show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that.
1: So glad we're off to a good start. (laughs) Also, we are off to a good start because Molly, we know that you contracted the virus and you're recovering. Please tell us all of the things. How did you get it? Walk us through the symptoms. Like this thing is so foreign. We need to know from like an insider.
0: Yeah. um, It was a pretty wild ride. I'm not going to lie. I have absolutely no idea where I picked up the coronavirus I would imagine it was probably somewhere on the subway, um, because you probably know New York City subways are not the cleanest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Erica and I are roommates here in Astoria, Queens, and I typically work in Manhattan when the world is functioning as normal. So I'm constantly on the subways. And a couple days before I got sick, I was actually still commuting into the office, um, and it was probably like the fourth day of our work from home period that I woke up. Um, it was actually St. Patrick's day, which is my favorite holiday. So I was heartbroken. (laughs) Uh, I woke up a little before five in the morning with a fever, um, body aches, pains, like excruciating headache. And I could feel like a cough in my chest a little bit and like really like tightness in the chest. So it felt a lot like the flu coming on on top of, like, the respiratory symptoms. And I had actually had the flu really badly in January. I had, like, 106 fever. Um, Whoa. Yeah. I have had a rough 2020. <laughs> like, I'm usually very healthy, but I've just been kind of beat around pretty badly. Um, but, yeah, so I felt, like, I knew what the flu felt like having, like, just had it. And so I looked up all the symptoms online and I checked pretty much all the boxes for Corona and I knew like I needed to get into a doctor right away, but I looked up and there's a walk-in clinic like around the corner from our apartment, but it didn't open until 7 a.m. And at this point it's like pretty much 5 a.m. And then um, all of the hospitals were obviously open, but they were at least like a cab ride or an Uber ride away. So I just had to sit there and like, think about what would cause the least amount of harm for the general population. Like if I should go out and just walk down the street in two hours, or try and get in a car. Um, And so I decided that it would probably make the most sense to wait it out and just walk around the corner. So I just sat there in the dark, uh, like shivering for like two hours. Wow. um, Yeah, so it was rough. I called one of my friends who Uh, goes into work really early in D.C., and she, like, talked me through it and just stayed on the phone with me, uh, which I appreciate so much. Um, It was probably, like, one of the weirdest phone calls of my life. Um, And then I got to the walk-in clinic. Uh, I was, like, one of the first people in there. And I was actually really lucky that the doctor on call was actually the same one who I had had when I went in for the flu. So he knew that like I could like we could talk about kind of what was going on with my body and like base it off of what had just happened and he knew that my symptoms were a little bit different so he did do a flu test just because he said there's uh, I think four active strains of the flu this year but that came back negative Um, but he did say that flu tests are usually only like 60% accurate so he still prescribed me Tamiflu and then he did the coronavirus test which, are you guys familiar with how that goes?
2: No, I mean, I, as far as I've seen on the news, they like swab your, um, the inside of your cheek. Is, that's what I've seen, but I don't know anything else. Ooh, that was not the one that I got.
0: <laughs> it was a nasal swab. And so a uh, flu test too is a nasal swab and it's like pretty uncomfortable. So he had just on that. And then he looked at me, he's like, okay, so we're gonna do the other one. And I'm not gonna tell you exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm just really sorry. And I was like, oh, oh my god. god. And so he was like, all right, it's gonna go in your nose, but like that's all I'm gonna say. And I was like, okay. And so he put his hand behind my head and he like looked at me again. He's like, Okay, it's gonna happen. I'm really sorry. And he shoved the thing up my nose, and I felt like it touched my brain. It hurt so bad. I could feel it like in kind of like the t- like my forehead in between oh. like my eyebrows basically like that oh. and then he like looked at me and he apologized again and he pulled it down and there was blood on the end of it. Oh. Oh, it was I just got
1: chills. Just, it was oh my
0: god. Awful. Um and then it also after that he told me it takes 4 to 7 days to get results. So he was like, you know, even if this is positive, he was like, well, one we have some time we're not really gonna cross that bridge until we have to like there's no reason to panic and he was like but if this is positive um just know that you are in a very very low risk category like you are usually very healthy you're so young like you're going to be fine so he was like I just don't want you to get scared um so that was actually really really helpful um and that was kind of the line I used for Everybody else who I talked to, because I was just anticipating everyone around me panicking, um, including my roommates. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it, uh, Erica and I have two other roommates in a pretty small apartment, so...
2: How did you guys, how did you quarantine yourself like appropriately and sterilize things and things? And like, how did you, I mean, if the doctor told you like, we don't know that this test is positive or not, did you still just like isolate yourself? Because that's what you knew you needed to do until you found out. And then like, how did you just stay in your room? I mean, how did you do that?
0: Yeah. I mean, in my gut, I knew I had Coronavirus, um, just because it was pretty different from the flu. Um, So I quarantined right away. And we were actually really lucky that we had all the cleaning products from when I had the flu. So we were able to really just disinfect everything immediately. Um, And I did stay pretty confined to my room, except for like, when I had to use the bathroom or like maybe get something out of the fridge. Um, but other than, and every time I went somewhere, we just life everything down. Um, and then our other two roommates actually, when they found out that I was uh, waiting for test results, they ended up leaving and going to stay with their significant others. So that kind of gave us a little bit more space and it was just Erica and I. Um, and we, I mean, Erica can speak to her part, but we, pretty much assumed that she had it and was asymptomatic.
2: Um, And she ended up quarantining as well. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That's also good for like anybody, if you're in a confined space and you don't happen to live alone, whether it's like you and your child or you and your husband or you and your roommate or cousin or mother or whoever, like these are examples of what you need to do because it's probably going to get transmitted to the other person and they could be asymptomatic. Like that's probably a likely case, but Mm -hmm. just in case like there's not much like we can do to keep a husband or like, imagine, cause like someone sleeping in the same bed with you, if it's your husband Mm -hmm. or partner, like, yeah, it's gonna how it's so easily transmitted. It's like, it's probably going to get transmitted unless you try like extra, extra hard to like, keep yourself separate but like what if you're like a mom and a kid like yeah, a single mom and a kid like you kind of can't do that you can't like lock yourself in a room and be like hey five-year-old take care of yourself like right you know.
3: yeah exactly i mean especially you know molly and i are podcast co-hosts mm-hmm. and all weekend we were actually doing a lot of podcast work because i was supposed to leave town for april so i was like we had dinner together saturday i was around her we're You know, touching bikes, we're sharing snacks. Yeah, we like watched a movie, we're sharing like chips and stuff. So I like the minute she was sick, I basically was just like, checking my temperature every day to be like, yeah, I'm next or I already have it.
1: Erica, so you did not get Coronavirus, but you have had your own brush with a health issue. You guys openly talk about STDs, and that, you know, they're obviously very common. And you've actually had your own right yeah i uh got herpes um it'll be four
3: years this summer is a uh, my hot anniversary uh yeah happy anniversary uh, thank y'all. you thank you so much uh, longest <laughs> relationship i've ever been in uh, <laughs> uh yeah it's gonna stay forever okay. so um yeah i mean i think about it now
1: How do you feel that you having that compares to like, you know, let's just say Molly with coronavirus? Like, do you think that there's like now a stigma with coronavirus and that also everyone is going to end up having it sort of the same way as like STDs?
3: I mean, we actually were talking about this. It's like Molly kind of knows now what it feels like to have a herpes conversation with someone of like, I guess, if you were even to make out with somebody, uh, but be physically intimate it's kind of like, well, I feel like I should let you know, I did have coronavirus. I'm pretty sure I'm okay. But yeah, I mean, essentially, you might get a rejection from it. We don't know. We're not allowed to, you know, be out there dating in the real world yet. But, um,
0: but I did have that weird conversation. Um, when I found out I was getting tested, a guy who I'd recently hooked up with, I was talking with, and he was like, Oh, like, hope you're well, kind of like how everyone is ending or starting a conversation these days. And I was like, well, funny story. Uh, <laughs> let me know if you get a fever. <laughs> yeah, oh my
2: God. no, that's that's actually like how I'm sure a lot of people can relate to having to have like an STD talk because if you had gone on a date with someone two weeks ago and then you became symptomatic all of a sudden, like that's a long time later. Like you could feel totally fine or be asymptomatic and have no idea and gone on a date. And then you're like, uh, so that date we had, we need to talk. that that's, what's kind of scary about this whole thing is like, you don't really know you have it. And herpes is real. First of all, herpes is a really hard to diagnose. It can be super mild. Right. And also what, what is this? The, um, it's like one in every three people has it. Uh, it's
3: like one in five. Oh, one in five. Oh, okay. Five, so five, like- but then also there's several stats that, um, you know, don't count if people have cold sores and then some do. So when okay. you count cold sores, which is literally type one herpes, which is herpes, <laughs> it is, <laughs> yeah. you can get that on your mouth or, you know, on your genitalia. So I have type one, but it's on my vagina. So I have herpes that is technically just cold sores, but it's the same thing. But the big thing that's actually really common between herpes and Corona is you can have it and never have symptoms of it. Mm-hmm. And you literally wouldn't know unless you get tested for it. So that's oddly right. a similarity you have. Cause I have many people in my life that turns out they have herpes cause they didn't know when you get routine STD testing, it's not included because it's so common. And so many people have cold sores or had them as children and never had them as adults. So it's not included in your testing. And then people will get it type one or type two. And they're like, I've never had one sign of this. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean you don't have it. Mm
0: -hmm. So I guess we're
3: on that front similar.
2: Sorry. Yeah, it is super similar. It's actually oddly similar. And it's also you don't have to actually have like intercourse to get herpes either, which is the other thing that's like, and not to keep comparing it to this pandemic, but like it similar because it's so easily transmitted, like touch and anything like that would transmit it. So it's like, Uh, So, and if you don't, uh, again, if you're not having a symptom or you're not symptomatic for either, or how do you know, you know, until time has passed and you've already touched or infected other people. And with that, herpes is like, you could go years without having symptoms.
3: Yeah. And also you can go years, unprotected sex with people, never passing it to them because it's not, it's not transmitted the way every other STD is transmitted. Like if you have herpes, you could still donate blood. Which a lot of people don't know. They assume that you can't. Or if you're pregnant, it doesn't mean, you know, if you have herpes, antibodies in your blood that your child will. It's a skin condition. So it's like using condoms actually doesn't really prevent from getting herpes. It only like prevents by 1% or something like that. So typically you can only pass it if you are currently having an outbreak, but it's like you could be, quote, shedding in some way and pass it to somebody. So I got it from someone that was showing no signs or symptoms and claims they didn't even know that they had it. Uh, you, but anyway. you figured out who you got it from because it's hard to figure it out well I guess it's hard to figure it out if you were getting a lot of action but uh, right. I was not so <laughs> I knew uh, um, yeah like when I got it I only had one partner within that year before I slept with the new partner um, and uh, I checked with them as well to be like listen I got this thing you know I don't know if you've been tested recently but if you want to get tested blah 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 but it was also like I hadn't had sex in like six months, had sex. Immediately a week later, I had an outbreak. Oh. I also went to the doctor and this is a fun thing of. Uh, so they tested my blood because I went to a walk in. Actually, same walk in. <laughs> Molly went for Corona. So you know what? It's just, we're really keeping City and employed uh, <laughs> over here.
2: Oh, I've, been there. I've been there in New York. When I lived in New York, I went there.
3: Yeah, they're great. They really are great. It's clean. It's, you know, efficient. They're nice people. Um (laughs) But uh I went there and uh they told me, okay, get an appointment with your dermatologist, which is also something I wouldn't assume, because I had like two bumps, and then by that morning that I went, it was like four bumps. And you would think like, well, this is on my vagina, I should go to a gynecologist. And they were like, No, dermatologist because it's a skin condition. And I was like, hmm, interesting. Which literally any doctor could treat you for it, but they were like, This is really the dermatologist, like home base. And I was like, well, they don't typically look at my vagina, but I guess I'll let them take a look. (laughs) uh, But anyway, so they took my blood though, as a test because they couldn't do the swab test, which is more accurate for which type and if it is herpes. So when they took my blood, I got those results Monday and it was negative, which by Monday I had full blown outbreak and was in pain. And I was taking like Valtrex, but it's still like, it was kind of one of those things like it's going to get better before it gets worse. Like, it spreads so quick when you do have an outbreak. So it was like, well, you're going to get like, it's kind of like the curve. It's like, you're going to get to the peak of your curve and then it's going to come down. Um So the fact that it's negative go. in my blood, Don't they go. were like, go. you definitely just got it. They were like, so whoever your, mm-hmm. you know, last couple partners were, are the people that gave it to you. But, and I was like, I've only had one new partner in six months. They were like, well, it's from them. So I was a kind of a rare case that I
2: knew. Why did they blood test you though? If they can't, like detect it that way uh no they can
1: oh it
3: detects the antibodies so that's why they were saying you just got you know the herpes virus uh i think it's technically a virus yeah it's one so yeah antibodies
0: yet. but i didn't have
3: any antibodies yet in my bloodstream so they were the virus is new to your body like if like, I've been tested since then, obviously, like every year when I get just my routine gyno, I do all the STD testing, like HIV, everything. And it shows up every time they're like, oh, okay, you don't have HIV, but you do have herpes. And I'm like, yeah, well, knew that. <laughs> yeah,
1: thanks for the new info. Um, So once you though found out about it, were you one of the people that were like afraid to talk about it? Or did you immediately feel like I got to share my story? And then what gave you the like bravery to do that?
3: Oh, uh, I mean, 100%. I was like, just mortified and terrified to tell anybody because I mean the main thing is just to be judged Um, because you're you know essentially most people assume with any STD but specifically herpes because it's quote forever Uh, everyone kind of you know initially thinks like oh people that are super promiscuous get that like kind of the classic like scarlet letter labeling so I only uh, like real at first told, obviously, the person I was seeing at the time, I was like, hey, and I didn't even accuse them, even though I knew I was like, um, this happened, you need to go get tested type thing. And I told him and I told like a very good friend of mine, um, a good college friend of mine. And uh, but that was really it for a long time. I didn't really tell friends. And then kind of slowly, but surely, I would kind of tell one friend here, one friend there. And immediately, they're always their reaction was like, what, you? They're like, you have it." And especially when it would be my friends that I knew were reckless and like would be with new partners, not using condoms, like just kind of like, Oh, it doesn't feel as good. And I was sitting there like, I was the person using condoms all the time and on birth control. Like birth control to me was a backup. Like no, birth control is literally plan B for me. You know? Um, so I think it was partly I, you know, I do comedy. I'm a stand up comedian and it's very much talking about your life. And I kind of was hiding that part of myself. Um, even I actually at the time was a clean comedian. I didn't even like talk about having sex. And then I felt like, well, you're going to be a clean comedian that like someone finds out you have herpes and then words out and you're kind of this fraud in a way. Um, But uh, really what made me more want to talk about it was like, basically just all the rejections I've faced from it. When it's like every doctor I've ever talked to has been like, this is not a big deal at all. It's not threatening to your health at all. That's why it's not in routine testing. Um, And basically, like, so many people just don't have any knowledge of it other than, oh, like, whores have herpes is kind of what everybody thinks in their mind.
2: Which is so false because it's like we've talked about, so easy to get, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't even... It, it's like, well, it's any STD one time with one person you can get, obviously, but because this one is so common and so easily transmitted, it's like, doesn't even, you don't even have to be having sex to get it. But you didn't find it all that people would say to you because it's so common, like one in every five or three, depending on what type of herpes we're talking about, has it. So nobody would be like, oh yeah, I have it too. Because yeah, I would... never had that. Never had someone be like, oh, I also have it. <laughs> Because, but you know what? Though you know that you're telling people, and they're just either they don't know it, or they're just not admitting it. Because out of all yeah. those people that you've told, not that you, I mean, if you told at least three people, like, yeah. said,
3: okay. the probably like ten. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, like when you look at the stats, like, okay, so
2: technically two of you probably have it, probably have it and don't know it, or just aren't talking about it. I um actually tested positive for um oh my god, I'm trying of uh, the HPV. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. that is super common too and I had no idea that I mean there's like no symptoms or anything obviously it's yeah. like it comes in your test and I was actually pretty shocked about it because it's kind of like you it's hard to figure out where it came from because it could be dormant and the funny thing is is there's a weird stigma with that because only women will test for it men are the carriers so like yeah. They Can't know if they have it, yeah, and, and it doesn't affect them because they don't. I think it affects your cervix, I want to say. So, yeah, like health wise, it's not gonna ruin anything for them, it doesn't do anything for them. So, there's no test to tell, like, if there's no point for them to get a test, there's no way to test. There is a way to test, but it's super invasive, but they don't do it because there's like, why? So, it's just you're just gonna know that you are a carrier basically, mm-hmm. that it doesn't do anything to you. And so, there was this weird stigma that, like, I If I say I have it to my partner, that like I got it from someone else, but I I could have gotten it from you. I could have, like, who knows? And it's only it's only something that I have to admit to having because I have the body parts that are affected by it. Although you could have it too, and but it looks like, like, you know, the same thing. Like you're a whore, you're dirty, or whatever. But it's like, well, you probably have it, or you probably gave it to me. So it's it there's a weird stigma with that one because it's only affects women really
3: (laughs) yeah and you want to know something funny i don't have hpv (laughs) like that was actually one of the thoughts that went through my head when i got it was i was like i don't even have hpv yet everybody else is out here at hpv or getting chlamydia one time like i couldn't get like a warning std you know like i just a gateway std yeah i just immediately got the one that's forever and not curable i'm like cool that's great
1: Okay. So now that you have it and also, okay, let's go for both of you. You have Corona, you have, you know, herpes, we all have something. Now, do you put that in your dating profile? Like, when do you bring this up so that it's not like awkward, but like, how do you do it?
3: It's funny you say that I've thought about like, what if I did just write like HSV (laughs) one on there just to see. Um, but ultimately I try to date as if I don't have it in the sense of like, I'm not going to date someone just because they're okay with herpes. Like I'm going to date someone cause I like them. Cause it's like, we've all gone on a date where you're like excited or just like, whatever you go on the date. And after you're like, I don't really care if I see that person again. And so part of me is like, why am I going to go through the mental anxiety and, you know, like worry about telling them I have herpes when it's like, you're not even close to that conversation with this person. Mm-hmm. Like you've we've never, met, them yeah, especially yeah. if it's online, you're like, I, I haven't even met this person yet. Like, I don't know if I like them. Like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there sort of situation. Yeah, I think that makes
2: sense. You don't want to, you know, you go into any sort of date with, you should have expectations about what your goals are and what you want and what your standards are and all of that. But you have to keep in mind that those things happen relative to time. Like, I want a guy who's super loyal, right? oh. Well, after date number one, there's only so much loyalty you can expect that person to give you. Like, I'm not going to expect that you drop everything to go on this date with me when you don't even know me and I am not your girlfriend. So like, do I want to be shoved aside? Like, I don't matter. No, but also like, I'm, just going to say it, like, I kind of don't matter. I'm a stranger. Like, you don't know me. We have to get to that point where maybe I understand your humor eventually, or maybe then I will expect you to do A, B, and C. But you can't, I mean, yeah, I think telling someone that you have an STD is relevant when you know that that is something that is in the future to be happening.
3: Yeah, well, because I've also had the opposite of someone knew I had herpes and was okay with it and liked me, but I didn't like them. And then I was sitting there with this decision of like, well, that wouldn't be right either to sleep with this person just based on the fact that they're interested in a relationship with me. And I didn't want a relationship with them of like leading oh, yeah. them in a mm-hmm. sense. Right. So it's like I've also had the vice versa where it's like, oh, herpes wasn't an issue, but I didn't like them as more than a friend and I chose to walk away and not sleep with them just for that reason. So that's like, I try to kind of remind myself of those things. Or basically, like I said, I just try to pretend I don't have it in the sense of like, just be on the date and get to know the person. And it's, you kind of have to be patient in a way.
2: That makes sense, I think. And you guys also, speaking of dating, talk about like, modern dating versus old school dating and the methods. And do you guys feel like, this isolation period will affect either school of thought like Oof, yeah. is, is it like making old school dating come back or do you think it's gonna like we need to rely on technology so much so like now all of a sudden there's like this new set of rules like and do either of you prefer one type of schooling to the other
0: I mean I think this whole period of isolation is just gonna change the way that we interact as humans entirely So I think it's probably going to come in a couple of waves. Um, We actually just recorded an episode with our good buddy who's a New York comic, Chris James, about dating during the period of isolation and how he's doing like a lot of FaceTime dates. And he was saying that he actually now prefers it and might continue to do that in the future just to kind of like break down the barrier for a first date, especially with someone he meets online, and then to kind of decide if he wants to go out in public with people. So I think it's, like, kind of encouraging people to do more of these uh, technology-centered uh, interactions. But then we also were putting out a poll and, like, looking at some others online about, like, if people were going to be more interested in just hooking up as soon as we can break free and, like, get out into the world mm-hmm. or if people will be more interested in relationships. And one of the responses on the polls was, like, overwhelmingly like 70% that people wanted relationships. Um, so I don't know, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be like a couple of waves of like, right now, people are going to be very like, technology heavy. And then I think later on, they're just going to like, want to actually have that human interaction again, once we're able to do it. But yeah. I think it's I really going to be interesting to see if there's like a second or, th- you know, multiple waves of this outbreak, and we might be back in isolation again if we look at the way that china is going right now and uh once they thought they were on top of the outbreak they had another wave and it's like well we're back inside again we might Just kind of go back to these old habits of being really technology focused.
1: In terms of the waves, they did say that because of the obviously the climate in different parts of the like world, the southern hemisphere is going to get it next, like during the summer, because it's like the opposite time frame for them. And that then it's going to travel back to us in fall because obviously people are going to be traveling with it from there to here and not know they have it and they're going to infect us again. But that brings us to cuffing season, which is <laughs> yeah. when people want to couple up. So knowing that this could come back around, maybe the people that are quarantining alone will be more apt to get in a relationship by then because they'll be like, shit, I can't do this again alone. I need somebody here with me. So maybe it will light a fire under those like people that think being single is super fun and they'll be like, "Nah, no, I got to couple up for quarantine. And
2: you also don't want to like be... A dating or experiencing multiple partners out of fear of like more contamination. So if you think to yourself like, okay, maybe this thing's ramping back up again, and we're all gonna have to stay inside. And I'm dating Jen, and I kind of like her. Like I also don't want to like. I'm, I'm not gonna have access to other people, and and even if I did, I don't want to because I'm gonna get sick. So not that you would be like a second choice, but like your train of thought is different. You know what I mean? You're like, no, because we think it, and it's geographic potentially, but in cities like LA, where there's like a lot of people coming and going, um, like however many, we don't know the stats, but we've talked about it before, Jen, it's something like 10,000 people come a day or whatever it is. It's not that, but it's something like that. It's like, there's always, we think that men and women, I guess, but mostly men in LA are like, there's always the grass is always greener there's always like a new crop of hot young women that come from like nebraska or wherever and they're like <laughs> yeah. wherever and so yeah. definitely, definitely a thing <laughs> they, have, they have like You know, a hard time like settling because of that is so the rumor is so like, if that's not an option, and you have to change your train of thought, like, yeah, I I actually don't really I kind of have to settle down or I'm alone. Like you start to think to yourself, okay, maybe I can focus of energy on the girl that like is awesome and cool that I may have missed out on before because I'm like waiting for two weeks when I go out to a club and meet another new hot young girl or guy whatever you're into but it's like I think you could have to just learn to change your train of thought because society and the world around you is like forcing you to now have these new rules and it's this new way of life.
1: Wait, oh my god. Okay, so I got it. I figured it all out. In terms of the old timey times and the modern day, here's what it is. It's modern day malaria. But now people are like, "Shit, I could die from coronavirus. Let me couple up." Just like in the old timey times they're like, "Well, I'm going to go to war, I could die, or I'm going to die of malaria at 37, so I got to get married quick." You know, like now we've got a shorter time frame on our life, potentially mortality is like approaching. So maybe this game of musical chairs will end quicker.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's hard to believe I would like maybe things to be a little bit more old school or a little bit more, I guess, committal. I feel like that's the big issue with dating nowadays in a city or not even in a city. All my friends that don't live in New York or LA and are just, you know, in Virginia, they're like, yeah, same shit of mm-hmm. like, it's always this like half in vague relationship. We're exclusive. But we're not boyfriend, girlfriend, like it's all these different layers. And it's like, why can't anybody just be like, yeah, you're my girl and just commit for a minute, you
2: know? Yeah. Like so odd why people can't do that. I don't know it it, to me, you tend to go like, well, they're just not that into you, but I don't know that it's that simple sometimes.
3: Yeah. I think it's just sometimes with, um, you know, not even online dating, but I think in general, it's just like sometimes people just feel like they have so many options that then they can't choose.
2: Or is yeah. it used be That'd like
3: be you used to only date someone and marry someone that literally lived within five miles of you? Yeah, and it's like yeah. Yeah. where you were going and where you were meeting people. <laughs> it
2: was in a five A cheesecake factory menu of people to choose from that I can't order anything from cheesecake factory because I'm like, there's too many choices. I don't know what to do. And I get overwhelmed. It's like that in the dating world now because of technology. So do you guys so then okay, Molly, do you like old school dating more than uh, modern dating and Erica, which one do you prefer? you mean in terms of how you meet people yeah like are you more of like I wish it happened like the old school courting way or are you like no modern dating's my jam I want it to like go I I prefer that way I think I like the
0: old school dating method I mean I love a good story and I just I'm kind of a sucker for listening to like my parents and you know grandparents and that those generations just talking about how they met and the idea of meeting someone on an app like it probably I feel like it sounds ridiculous because so many people do meet and have great relationships on apps. But I'm like, I don't want to tell my kids that, well, we swiped right and it was a good time. <laughs> like, I dated someone who I met on an app for a while and we used to lie about where we met. It's like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs>
3: I didn't know you Yeah. But it's
0: like, I don't want to say Tinder. Mm. So I I want to meet someone in the wild for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, like the Like you don't want like a not romantic story where you're like, well, I happened to swipe right, and that person also happened to swipe right, and boom, yeah. love. But
0: except the others in my inbox, but he's just the one who answered.
2: <laughs> no, but then you meet on Tinder, but the story is the first date or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, we met in a bar. There's nothing rom- romantic about that. I yeah, mm-hmm. I was drunk and I saw him across the bar and he was hot okay but yeah. what's the story that's not the story so I swiped that's not the story the story is we went on this first date and the blah, and then fill in the blank like so yeah. it's like you can roll over that you're like yeah we met on tinder but and then you tell the story
3: yeah yeah because I don't want to knock dating apps even though I've never had a relationship form from dating apps I've gone on a handful of dates but it's like with anything it is work like you have to Mm -hmm. actively be on it messaging people like you can't be in your head of like oh this is not how i want to meet someone it's like look either do it or don't do it you know anyone Mm -hmm. i know that did meet someone online they're like yeah i went on a lot of dates they're like it's you know uh it's just a way to introduce you to people that are single it's as if you went into a bar and everybody there was single it's like okay everyone here is on the market and looking for something because some people in a bar are looking to actually meet someone and have a relationship whereas some people are just looking to bang so it's like the app is just the bar in a different way, um, especially I do comedy. So a lot of times at night I'm doing comedy. So I don't have that many nights that I am just out with friends or at a birthday party or wherever the hell I could be to meet someone organically. And I, it's like I like meeting people in person just because it's easier to be excited to then see them again. Mm-hmm. Whereas online is like, I don't know how I'm going to like this person we haven't. I've, I haven't actually been around their energy at all mm-hmm. in person.
1: Yeah. And that is the tricky part because you really just don't know. There, there's like not that chemistry. You don't like lock eyes like at, across the bar, like you're saying it. But to your point though, the app actually, like you could put a radius in and it's sort of the same thing you were saying about, like you only dated the people within a fi- five mile radius. Now, that being said, since you're stuck at home and you possibly have cabin fever, are you using the apps now to pass the time?
3: I have been because I partly was like, well, the positive of this is you now have the time to actually be on the app and talk to people and try. And let me say this. I feel like the quality of people on the app has increased because everyone is stuck at home, (laughs) (laughs) but it is a, it's even harder though now to like have a conversation on the app and have it not essentially just fade out because there is no meeting in person. So I actually have two people I moved to like text from and one wanted to like meet up to go for like a walk, like grab a drink to go. And I was like, wait, no, I'm like, you can't meet people in person. But he was very anti like doing a phone call or FaceTime. And -hmm. so it kind of was like, well, we've hit this point in the road now. It's like, I don't know. I guess see you in two months. Maybe it's like, we most likely are just going to
2: forget about each other
3: then. Exactly.
2: And people should be up to FaceTiming. Like that should be a thing. And Jen and I've talked about this on our show too. Like it's the next logical step anyway. Like Mm -hmm. it breaks the barrier between texting and seeing a photo to like meeting someone in person, which is fine. But like, think about it. It's like a nice midway in between. So people should be into that and we're hoping like you guys mentioned and stuff like that will become a thing that, um, is now just part of a regular dating practice that even if you don't have, you're not in isolation, like, yeah, let's FaceTime and not waste time meeting and spending money and getting ready and like buying drinks when you could just like kind of get the idea from home in like five minutes. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I mean, I have friends
3: that if they're doing a lot of online dating, they actually will do a phone call,
2: a regular phone call before they even meet the person. Which a lot of dating experts that have come on our show have suggested to do that or a FaceTime. So we think that that's going to take hold and we're hoping that it does. And it's kind of like a nice way to meld like a longer courtship, which is like old school dating with like new school technology. And hopefully this some good things will come out of this. We're all hoping that we come out like better and stronger after. And maybe the dating world will be affected in a way where people are more conscious about how they communicate and how they meet up with people and how they spend their time and not just like take it not so seriously because they're just like bored or whatever. And and then you get positive results. You end up meeting someone who's quality or someone who's more up your alley instead of just like, thumbing through a bunch of randoms or whatever you're, you know, cause Lord knows what people's intentions are before they date. If it makes your intentions more clear, then that's a good thing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I- I'm just sitting here being like, I-, I don't know. I guess it's just cooler to meet in person, but ultimately I'm like, you know, I would just like to uh, meet somebody that I like, you know, <laughs> like I would just like to love somebody. You know? <laughs> like like I on a basic level. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really care how it happens. Like if it yeah. happens, it happens. That would be great. Cause I don't know if either of you have had like ghosts from the past show up during quarantine as everybody has, but like I had a breakup in like January and I actually heard from that dude today again, but not, but there's nothing direct. It's just this chatting. But today it irked me of like, you know what, unless you want to get back together, don't contact me. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I guess it's a weird time and I'm mentally in a weird place now. Like I was finally not thinking about you. And now that I'm alone in my room, I'm like, well, damn, that would have been nice if this person (laughs) was around. Men are dumb, but they know when
0: you stop thinking about them. Yeah, they always <laughs>
3: them, do. <laughs> They somehow do know.
1: Yeah, and yeah. so do you think that they're reaching out because they too have cabin fever? What do you think it is?
3: I think, yeah, it's partly that or it's also like we had a connection and a friendship on some level. So it's also like, yeah, I'm another person that you could talk to mm-hmm. in a way.
2: Yeah, right. but the isolation really weeds it out quicker because you kind of can't do anything about it. You can't like meet up and like then get ignored again. Like you know, it's like he's that you have to communicate. You're forced to like pay attention to each other, or it will be obvious. It's not like a meetup and then you're gonna like hook up and then not hear from him in a month. Like the, you either. So it kind of weeds that it's gonna it's gonna make the truth rise to the top basically like right away because you have no other option but to communicate with each other yeah so we're hoping that this coronavirus thing obviously like we said surfaces some positive things and maybe in the dating relationship world it will and we're really happy that both of you guys are healthy we know you're like at the epicenter of all of this and so glad that you're Molly that you're okay and Erica that you did or maybe didn't contract the virus but that you're both fine now and we were so happy to have you on and to talk about all this kind of stuff because it's so great to hear our firsthand knowledge of like the experience and then how it's affecting how you guys feel about dating and relationships, because you're just like all of us. We say it takes a village to date and you're in that dating community. So your advice is awesome and remind everyone where they can find you and listen to your show. So we can all kind of stay connected together. Um, So do you want to look us up? Our Instagram
3: is at shooters got to shoot pod and Uh, my Instagram is at the guacamole. And my personal one is at Sperica. But um, yeah, loved if you guys, anybody checks that out or send us your messages, especially if you're someone uh, with herpes, feel free to hit me up. And if you're someone with Corona, you can hit up Molly now. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and uh, our podcast
0: is anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify. Uh, Google Podcasts,
2: uh, all this stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having us on. This was so fun.
0: Yeah, this was great. Thank you
2: guys so much. It was so awesome. And don't forget to tune in next week for an all-new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, transformational speaker, life coach, and best-selling author, Valerie Genghis. And if you guys want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And It's Complicated wherever you get your podcast, rate,
1: comment, tell a friend, share... Let us know what you think. And you can find me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social medias. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social medias as well. And we'll be back next week. Love you long time.
0: You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli.